The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. It's time for Rush Hour with Danny Burke, presented by Bet Rivers. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to Rush Hour, presented by Bet Rivers. I'm Danny Burke, your host, back in action here. A great night planned for you on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. Big thanks to the crew and everybody filling in for the past week when I was off, but excited to get back into the swing of things. We don't have too much going on tonight besides the home run derby with Major League Baseball All-Star Game ongoing and some interesting angles to look at, specifically at Bet Rivers with a plethora of props available that you can delve into. We'll go over all of that later in the show, so plenty of baseball action coming your way with a couple plays that I do like tonight in the home run derby, so we'll touch on that. Plus, even though there is no basketball tonight, we have game four for tomorrow to look forward to. We'll let you know where those early lines open, where they've moved, how the odds have shifted for the series prices, finals MVP, and just some of those other unique series prices bets that you can make all around that we've been talking about continuously We'll update those in just a moment. Plus, we'll hit some more basketball with Chris Miles, NBA TV. Not only will we talk about the game tomorrow, but uh, we'll be sure to hit some NBA draft props. Those are getting posted more frequently as well a couple weeks away. And then Kirk Morrison going to be joining us in about 10 minutes. Eight-year NFL vet, linebacker, drafted by the Raiders, played for a couple other teams, does great work covering the NFL, college football, and much more. So really, we'll kind of just dive into certain areas with the division odds. Take a look at some MVP odds, defensive player of the year, defensive rookie of the year. See if he's got any good angles to look into as we get closer and closer to the start of the NFL season. But like we mentioned, let's kind of get you updated with all of the action surrounding the NBA Finals. Now the Bucks got a much needed win in game three, 120 to 100. Where does that put the line for this next game? Well, it opened three and a half. The Bucks now up to four and a half at Bet Rivers are also about minus 186. Right around that range, minus 190 on the money line. The Suns plus 155 or so. This total is at about 220.5. That really hasn't moved too much one way or the other, but the spread has moved in favor of Milwaukee immediately. Now, it kind of seems like, and I know it's early to say just because Milwaukee won the last game, but based off the performances, it has the feel of a series that could go home road, home road, right? I mean, the home team's going to win every single game, basically, is what I'm alluding to. Now, if you get Giannis going to the free throw line, what, 17 times and only missing four of them, that's going to be a problem for Phoenix. So we'll see if anything shifts based off the complaints that we saw from the Suns and company. But again, it's not surprising to me that this line moved up to four and a half in favor of Milwaukee. I'm not rushing to the counter to wanting to bet either side, specifically Phoenix, but I do think they're going to put out a better performance. Now, instead of looking just at game four, how did this alter, if at all, with the series price and some of those other bets? Well, currently we see the Suns minus 265 to win this series. The Bucks now plus 205. 
Now, if you wanted to get involved, obviously the outlook for me would be, hey, if you want to bet the Suns, wait till after this game. If you want to get on the Bucks, bet it now rather than later because I do have more of a slight lean toward Milwaukee winning this next game. Again, I do think it's going to be closer, but I wouldn't be surprised if it goes back for Game 5 into Phoenix with it tied up at two apiece. So I would probably wait on both of those unless, well, considering I'm on the Suns, I mean, I have a bunch of Chris Paul action for him to win MVP. That's what we've been riding throughout this whole postseason, really. So that's my angle going into it. With the Bucks again, if you want to bet them, I would do it now rather than later. But then you can also, like we just mentioned with Finals MVP, maybe get involved with Giannis, who's just been having a historic performance thus far. He's plus 205 to win Finals MVP. Chris Paul still the favorite now, big favorite, minus 240. He's been the most consistent player on the Suns team really the whole season and specifically what matters most in this Finals. So he's minus 240. Again, Giannis is plus 205. Devin Booker drops down to 14-1, to and he was the favorite this whole time over Chris Paul until this series. DeAndre Ayton, 60-1. to uh, List goes on with Middleton at 100-1, to Drew Holiday at 150-1, to Crowder and Bridges both at 200-1. to So again, I think you wait to see if you want to get involved with Chris Paul. I mean, see if the Bucks win and you get it maybe down to $2 if you're willing to lay that much. But if you want to get on Giannis, you think the Bucks win, now is your chance to do everything with Milwaukee, in my opinion. And, you know, I don't want to go into it too much because we still have plenty of time where we'll hit deeper into these bets. But I think there's some interesting angles to look at when it comes to the series correct score. Now, I still have complete faith in this Phoenix team to finish things out. So, again, you can bet them to win in five six or seven anywhere from about plus 260 to plus 340 i think there's a very good angle to look at potentially there if you don't want to lay a price with phoenix or even milwaukee obviously i mean you're still getting points but if you want to be more specific still some good opportunities in that realm with the series correct score as well as total games played in the series and you could do the spread on the series as well once again, welcome into the program. It is Rush Hour, presented by Bet Rivers. I'm Danny Burke, your host, getting you ready for a night filled with some baseball action. At least we got the home run derby to look forward to, but that doesn't mean we're not going to touch on other areas. Chris Miles of NBA TV will be talking basketball with us in about 45 minutes. And then Kurt Morrison talking some offseason NFL futures, division odds, NFL MVP odds, and much more in terms of the National Football League. But we were just touching on some of the updated odds for the NBA Finals in terms of Game 4. The line opened three and a half at some shops. Milwaukee now a four and a half point favorite with the series. The Suns are minus 265 to win it. The Bucks are now plus 205. Again, we'll get into this a little bit later on the show. But a lot of good opportunities still with some of these other bets you can make with the series correct score. And some of those early props are out. So we'll see if there's a good angle to look at early on here. But as we mentioned, Kirk Morrison is going to be joining us shortly. So let's kind of talk a little bit of football to get things kicked off here on a Monday evening. Now, you know, Kirk has played on a few teams in the NFL, being the Jaguars, Bills, drafted by the Raiders, spent eight years in the NFL's linebackers. So very excited to talk defensively with him and, you know, defensive rookie of the year. That's an award we've touched on a little bit, at least right after the draft. And then just overall NFL de uh, defensive player of the year. And he also is out there in, ES, uh, in Los Angeles with ESPN, does a great job covering the Rams. And as we know, the Rams are the top team to win the NFC West. They're plus 190, but along with them at plus 190 are the 49ers, the Seahawks, Cardinals right there, Arizona plus 575, plus 275 for Seattle. Now, this division arguably and most consistently really has been the toughest in the NFL. I mean, they just beat up on each other. And considering now that the Cardinals are even getting better and better, at least in my opinion, I think this division has is kind of just wide open, I guess, is what I would say. Because you have questions 
with the Seahawks and everything that ha happened in the offseason. I mean, did they even get better in terms of their personnel? I mean, personally, I don't really think they did. The 49ers, what's going to be the quarterback situation? Are they good enough that despite who's going to be quarterback, whether it be Jimmy G or Trey Lance, can they still be a top team? And can the Cardinals finally take that next step, have some maturity, and be able to close out those close games? That's a big question surrounding this Cardinals team. And then the Rams at plus 190, they probably are the top team, and rightfully so. They would be the team that I would pick to win the division right now, but is it worth playing it at that shorter value of plus 190? What can Matt Stafford do right out of the gate? Can he get fit right into that system? Can the defense still be absolutely dominant? We know they have enough offensive weapons, so can they really just stay consistent with that top defense? It's hard to think they won't, but again, we'll get Kirk's thoughts in just a few moments. And then we'll kind of look at some AFC West odds as well, uh, him being drafted by the Raiders. We kind of want to see what we can expect out of Las Vegas because, you know, us being here in the Chicagoland area, the Bears are going to see the Raiders on the road this season. And, you know, despite a lot of people thinking that Las Vegas may take a step back, I don't think they're going to be an easy out in a lot of these games. Everybody kind of, you know, gives grief to this Raiders team. But, you know, a lot of times they have a tough schedule. But I still think they're going to be a competitive team. We'll see what Kirk's thoughts are in terms of the AFC West. Plus, then we'll go to the AFC East where you played uh, for the Bills, obviously, and they're the top team in this division. So, hey, we'll see if the Bills can be the outright favorite throughout this whole year. Can the Dolphins take a step forward? Can the Patriots improve their offense? Because, you know, they're going to be getting some pieces back. They added a lot of people this offseason, but do you fully trust Cam Newton? Did he do anything this past season to warrant any confidence in betting this Patriots team at about plus 350 to win the AFC East? Not so sure about that. So, uh, again, we'll see what Kirk thinks about that. Can Zach Wilson have a big rookie season? 20-1, to 1, the Jets to win the AFC East. Probably not going to come to fruition, but still fun to talk about in the potential of that squad. Let's go ahead and bring in the eight-year NFL vet himself, Kirk Morrison. Again, does great work out in L.A. with the ESPN Network out there and pregame and halftime with the Los Angeles Rams. So, Kirk, we appreciate you making some time. Excited to talk about some of these off-season odds with you. And I was kind of just previewing the divisions that we were looking forward to going over with you. And I want to start with the NFC West because, to me, you know, year after year, this division is just one of the toughest. I mean, these teams just beat up on each other every single season. And this year might even be the toughest, considering that the Cardinals could st uh, take step forward. The Rams are plus 190. The 49ers are plus 190. Seahawks plus 275. And the Cardinals out plus 575. Just right off the bat, who is your top team in this division? Well, I think right now the, the top team would have to be, honestly, I think it's the Los Angeles Rams. And I think it has to be because the Rams and the Seattle Seahawks were the two teams standing last year in the playoffs from the division. And the Rams beat the Seahawks in Seattle. And you could say they beat them with a quarterback that was not 100%. And then, you know, John Walford started that game. But, yeah, when you look at the offseason that the Rams have had and they've brought in Matthew Stafford, they feel like they've upgraded their team. I would say that they're the best team in the division right now. Seattle probably not too far behind. And then you think about the Central 49ers who feel like they're better with Jimmy Garoppolo healthy and if that doesn't work out. They could also go with Trey Lance. And in Arizona, I think is right there as well in the mix. It's going to be a fun NFC West just because not only the quarterbacks, but I think when you look at a team like Arizona who went out and did a lot in free agency, they feel like they can contend as well. So it's going to be a fun race down the stretch. 
Yeah, and you mentioned the Seahawks at about plus 275. Now, I have some concerns with the Seattle team. I mean, they're always an exciting team, but they seem to make it tougher on themselves than they need to a lot of times. And they're kind of funky with how volatile they are with their schedule, winning tough road games and losing easy home games sometimes. And we know everything that happened in the offseason with Russell Wilson. And to me, it didn't seem like they improved that much in the trenches. Do you think Seattle then still remains a top dog, or do you think everything that happened in the offseason could have a negative impact? I mean, I think Seattle is going to be where they are every single year. They're going to be one of the toughest teams in the NFL. You know, Russell Wilson was up for the MVP for most of the year. Just, you know, it was hard when Aaron Rodgers played as well as he did and brought his team to an NFC championship game. So, But I think overall they needed a new voice in Seattle. They got that with a new offensive coordinator, Shane Waldron, who comes over from the Rams. So I think that makes the Seattle Seahawks a team that, you know, a possible team that can win the division, but definitely a team that you don't want to see in the playoffs. You know, they didn't upgrade in a lot of different areas for the most part. I mean, they're going to stay kind of true to who they've been, but I think it's about that pass rush. They bring back Carlos Dunlap. If they can get that defense going again, you know, a better start to the season they did a year ago, we could definitely see this Seattle team right there near the top of the NFC. I just think the Rams are a little bit better, but it's just two teams that right now you got to give them a shot and make it to the NFC Championship game. Absolutely. And a team that was there just a couple seasons ago, how about the 49ers? They're plus 190 to win the division, but still a solid squad if they can stay healthy. That, of course, is why they struggled this past year. Now, they draft Trey Lance. Do you think there's any chance we see Lance implemented in this season as a starter? Or if the 49ers, who do have a favorable schedule, continue to have success, is it just going to be Jimmy G the whole way? I think that they're going to keep Jimmy G out there as long as they can. Now, injury permitting, which we know that that's been sort of the story for Jimmy Garoppolo since he's been with the 49ers, two injuries that really have cost him almost two seasons. I think that's where the 49ers feel like, look, at some point we may have to go to Trey Lance, but I don't think they want to break the glass too soon. I know that Kyle Shanahan, especially when Jimmy Garoppolo first came over to the 49ers, everybody wanted to rush him out there. And, you know, the head coach, Kyle Shanahan, again, said, look, no, I'm going to put him out there when he's ready. And he was ready at the end of the year. The 49ers went on a nice little winning streak. I think that goes for the, uh, the same with a guy like Trey Lance. When the coach feels that he's ready, he'll put him out there. He's not just going to put him out there just for the sake of just putting him out there. It's a situation where the 49ers have to feel comfortable about going to Trey Lance. When they do go to Trey Lance, it's really a situation where the toothpaste will be out the tube. It's hard to put it back in, and it's hard to take him from being a starter in the league once you put him out there on the field. All right, Kirk. Now let's move on to another division that you're familiar with, being the AFC West. The Chiefs, naturally, the big favorite, minus 335 to take hold of the division. Chargers plus 575, Broncos 6-1, to the Raiders are at 20-1. to Now kind of just moving the Chiefs aside for a second, the Chargers have been seeming to get some steam this offseason with the excitement of Justin Herbert and if that defense can stay healthy, new coaching staff in the mix. Do you think the Chargers could be a sneaky team that competes for this division or even if not that, find their way into the playoffs with a wild card spot? Yeah, I think possible wild card spot for sure is something that they can put their expectations on. You know, when people ask me about the AFC West a lot of times, I rank it as, you know, obviously number one, the Kansas City Chiefs. Then the Raiders and Chargers are at three. So they're 3A and 3B. And then four is the Denver Broncos. I don't put a team at two because I think that Kansas City by far right now is still ahead of both those teams. 
who are sitting at three in the division, in my opinion. They've been to three consecutive AFC championship games. They know how their bread is buttered. They know how to win football games. I think the other teams, we still want to see. Last year was Justin Herbert played well, but I want to see how he played with expectations now. He has got a new head coach, a new offensive coordinator. So there could be some growing pain, some bumps and bruises. And, again, you mentioned about injuries when it came to the 49ers. The Chargers are one of the most banged-up teams in the NFL over the past couple of years. So could this be a change of fortune for them with Brandon Staley now as head coach and then also – with Justin Herbert in year two, is there a sophomore slump, or could he put all that put that notion to bed and you know put off for what some thought was an MVP caliber type season for a rookie last year? Now, before we brought you on, I was talking about the Raiders, a team you were drafted by, and it seems like in terms of the schedule, they always get the short end of the stick. At least that's what Raiders fans think. But honestly, that could be the case. And this year specifically, it seems like people are kind of knocking them down even more so. They're 20-1 to to win the division. But in my mind, I mean, while they may not have success in terms of the division, I feel like they're still a tough out regardless, and they're not going to be an easy team to just breeze past, as a lot of people may think. What's kind of your expectation for this Las Vegas squad now having their stadium going to be fully packed on a consistent basis? I think just the consistency in winning, that's what they have to do. I think when you saw them last year, obviously they start off 6-3 and three and then everything was good and then they go to 2-5 and five down the stretch. I think that's what they're, they're, their number one should, should just be winning football games and not worrying about the outside. I think overall the offense showed what they can do last year cut down on the turnovers, the biggest question for the Raiders is going to be about their defense, which was really poor last year. But they bring in Gus Bradley, I mean, a new, def- new defensive scheme, a new voice in that defensive room. And I think hopefully he puts some guys in some situations where they can go out there and make plays in a lot of versatile pieces. So you're going to see a lot of different matchups and a lot of different personnel groupings, I think, that this Raiders defense, I think, needs a lot. And they need some young players to grow up really quickly. They need some free agents to play big. So I think Yannick Ngakwe is going to be a huge piece to that. And in the secondary, can they get those young guys playing, getting in the right, you know, getting getting all on the same page? Casey Hayward, I think, helps tremendously in that aspect. So I think it's more question marks for the Raiders right now in terms of can they get everything in order. If they're able to do, this could be a sneaky team down the stretch. But for right now, I think the way they finished last year definitely gives a lot of people pause. All right, Kirk, the last division we'll talk about, the AFC East. The Bills are the favorite, minus 150. Dolphins we're seeing at about plus 325. Patriots just 25 cents more, plus 350. And then you got the Jets at 20 to 1. Did the Dolphins, or excuse me, did the Bills repeat here? Do we see some improvements from Miami and New England? Uh, How do you think this division stacks out? Because obviously the Bills did so great this past year. You talk about sophomore slumps with Justin Herbert. Could that happen to a team like Buffalo potentially? No, I think for Josh Allen, he's been in the league now for three years, so he's he, he's good to go. I think that he knows how he's going to win football games. They've surrounded him with some uh, good pieces. As also, they've got a good defense up there in Buffalo. they got a coach who really is uh, one of the better coaches in the NFL. I don't want to talk about Sean McDermott. The only thing that scares me is that I want to see them do it again. It's one thing to be Buffalo, having me having played there. You have this underdog mentality. And then now, all of a sudden, you don't have that same underdog mentality because you made it to an AFC championship game. But can you repeat that performance again? And I think it's a hard part to do when you look at the AFC in general. Baltimore is hungry. Look at a Cleveland Browns team that's hungry now. Pittsburgh, they want to get a redo from what happened in the playoffs last year. Look, the Tennessee Titans, they can say, hey, look, we got Julio Jones. We wanted some of that. 
So I think that Buffalo wins the division, but man, do they get back to the AFC Championship games with some emerging teams now in that conference? I don't know. I think that they are not in that AFC Championship game, but it's going to be hard to dethrone Kansas City as well. I, I just love the AFC right now. I really do. The NFC, I think you can narrow it down to a couple teams, but the AFC for me is really wide open because of some good teams. Yeah, and you go with the Bills and you say, can they do it again? And that's kind of what I meant by the sophomore slump because you look at a team like the Bears in 2018 had a lot of success, obviously unfortunate with the double doink. Then they've slumped really ever since. And that's kind of the question, I guess, with the Bills. But I tend to agree. I think they're still going to take hold of this division. We'll see if the Patriots can improve offensively, see if the Dolphins can keep up their great defensive side of things and commit those turnovers all the time because that's where their success came from. So the AFC East will be a lot of fun as the AFC in its entirety, like you mentioned. Now, Kirk, we got about 30 seconds left. I got to ask you about NFL Defensive Player of the Year, your position linebacker. Who do you think gets this award? Aaron Donald uh, with the Rams obviously has had much success three out of the last five years, has won it. He is the favorite at 4-1. to one. Miles Garrett, T.J. Watt, and the Bosa brothers are at the top of the list. Who do you think could win this award? I think this year, uh, Miles Garrett seems to be the guy that I'm going to lean on. Um, you know, last year, it was his first full season back from Miro being suspended the year prior, and he was up for that award for a lot. I think because of what they were able to do bringing in Jadavian Clowney, now also gives teams, a, you know, to respect. They got to respect the guy on the other side of Miles Garrett. So I think this is the year that Miles Garrett is able to break through because, look, we love what Aaron Donald's done. He's been the defensive player of the year was it three times now in his career yeah i I mean we've seen the story before if he has just a dominant year you got to give it to him for a fourth time but i think the cleveland browns and their defense with some guys coming back from injury a year ago could be one of the tops in the nfl and if it's one of the better ones in the nfl at least the top five i think miles gear is gonna have a lot to do with that and i could definitely see him hoisting that trophy for defensive player of the year yeah, 6-1 to one for Miles Garrett. Donald's still the favorite, but Garrett still could have some value. Like you mentioned, Brown's going to be a fun team, especially on the defensive side of things this upcoming year. Kirk, we really appreciate some time. Look forward to catching up with some NFL talk later this year, but thanks again. Sounds good, man. Appreciate it, fellas. Kirk Morrison, ladies and gentlemen. Eight-year NFL vet. Great analysis on the upcoming year. How about the upcoming NBA game, though? We'll preview game four of the finals next year on Rush Hour. Looking for a hot tip to bet on? Bet Rivers Sportsbook has you covered every day. Go to the Bet Rivers app or betrivers.com. Find the game you want to bet on. Just tap tips, T I P S, and you'll instantly get research for the upcoming matchup. Try it out for baseball, soccer, tennis, and a variety of other sports. And to make your experience even more rewarding, Bet Rivers offers the most live streams of major sports, instant payouts, and you know it, those one time playthroughs. Bet Rivers, your hometown sportsbook. Offer valid in Colorado, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Virginia, Michigan, and Pennsylvania. Available at PlaySugarHouse.com in New Jersey. Must be 21. Gambling problem? 
Illinois, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Colorado, 1-800-522-4700. Michigan, 1-800-270-7117. Virginia, 1-888-532-3500. And Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Alrighty, back at it here on Rush Hour on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network on a Monday evening, getting you geared up for little action tonight, at least in terms of the Home Run Derby. Plenty of props to look forward to with that tonight. A couple players I like to win the whole dang thing outright, so we'll get to that next segment. And we got Chris Miles of NBA TV to preview Game 4, maybe a little bit of NBA draft talk, and that's going to be at the end of the show. And let's kind of tease it a little bit right now with uh, the NBA Finals in Game 4 because we talked about it at the beginning. And, again, we've seen movement with this game early on because it opened 3.5 in favor of Milwaukee. Now it's up to about 4.5. And, and you saw this similar movement happen for Game 3. And, obviously, we know what happened. The Bucks got the job done 120-100. to 100. Suns still have a 2-1 series lead. Milwaukee looking to tie things up. They're also minus 186 is Milwaukee on the money line. The Suns plus 155. This total really hasn't budged whatsoever. 220 and a half, slightly shaded to the over. Minus 112 in the under is minus 109. So honestly, again, you know, I think the Suns are going to have a lot better performance. I mean, Devin Booker only posting 10 points is concerning. But look, that's going to happen from time to time. And you saw it happen with Giannis in game one. Now, I mean, he only had about 20 points and kind of getting acclimated from the injury. But still... Devin Booker should bounce back. The Suns team should play a little bit better, and especially on the defensive side of things. I mean, Giannis, you know, getting to the free throw line 17 times, hitting 13 of one, 13 of them, maybe kind of an anomaly. We'll see if that replicates. I mean, it's hard not to follow when he's running down the lane. But a slight lean to Milwaukee here, four and a half now that it's creeped up, wouldn't touch anything. Certainly, I'm rooting for the Suns here as we have Chris Paul, Devin Booker to win MVP, and that was kind of our way to bet the futures. But four and a half again is where you're seeing it and that total at 220 and a half. Now, we teased it also a little bit earlier with some of these other series bets you can make, and instead of just doing the outright series winner because the Suns are minus 265, the Bucks are plus 205, the one that really caught my attention the most was the series correct score. Now, just going down the list, the Suns to win this in five is plus 260. Phoenix also to win it, but in seven is plus 260. You could get the Suns then to win in six is plus 340. The Bucks to win in seven plus four fifty, and the Bucks to win in six at plus four seventy-five. Now I still do think that the Suns win this series, but again, it kind of feels like it has that certain sentiment of the home team is going to win every game. Now I'm not saying that's going to be the case, but I'm leaning to thinking that Milwaukee gets the job done in this next one. Then. My assumption would be that Phoenix picks it up in Game 5. Now, does that momentum completely swing and then Game 6 is a toss-up? That's kind of the big question here. So, you know, if I wanted to bet one of these, I would probably try to narrow it down to two of them because you're getting solid plus money with it in terms of the Suns. But realistically, the one I'd probably like the most is maybe the Suns to win in 7 at plus 260. A lot of factors are going to rely on what happens in this next game naturally, but the biggest thing is can Devin Booker bounce back and the Suns limit Giannis even a little bit because in terms of consistency, it's really been Chris Paul is the most consistent guy and then he got Giannis right behind him. So I think this is a market you should look into a little bit more so is the Suns to win in an exact price instead of laying the price to win the outright series. And again, you can bet a couple of them and still make enough money, you know, a little bit in terms of laying the big over $2 price minus 265. But you could also wait to see if Milwaukee wins game four then jump in on the Suns. They'll still be a sizable favorite, but just another angle that you could consider. 
And they do have some of the props posted right now. Obviously, we'll go over it in prop shelf tomorrow. But I think a couple things to consider, like we alluded to. Chris Paul has been the most consistent. 32 points game one, 23 game two, 19 game three. His props at 21 and a half. Maybe look at him to eclipse that in game four. And also another unique one. I mean, if you think Giannis is going to continue to get fouled and he can hit his free throws better at home than on the road, certainly. 34 and a half is where his props at. And be certain of the, or be cautious rather of that correlation with Middleton. 24 and a half is where his prop is. Middleton was leading scoring game one at 29. Giannis hit just 20. But the next two games, Giannis 42, Middleton 11, Giannis 41, Middleton 18. If you think Giannis goes off, maybe Middleton stays under that prop number of 24 and a half. Like we said, we'll get into that a lot more so tomorrow. But let's focus on the action tonight. Once again, we got the home run derby, baby. Stick around. We'll give you a couple players on bet. Subscriber exclusive tomorrow because Long Shots host Brady Cannon and Wes Reynolds will be answering your golf betting questions live just in time for the Open Championship. They'll be live tomorrow at 3.15 p.m. Eastern and 12.15 p.m. Pacific for a subscriber-only Q&A session. Subscribers will have access to watch live and ask those questions, or you can email those questions ahead of time to questions at beeson.com. Again, questions at bsin.com. Watch for the link in your subscriber email. Go ahead and join Brady and Wes for all the golf betting insights tomorrow. Should be fun looking forward to the Open. And we'll look forward to it a little bit more on the show tomorrow. Trey Wingo will be joining us. Get some of his betting insights, analysis, and much more. Excited to look forward to the Open. So plenty of golf action coming your way on all the shows on VEASAN, but tomorrow on Rush Hour. But again, let's kind of focus back on the baseball action tonight with the MLB Home Run Derby, an exciting one to look forward to this evening. About to get underway shortly uh, within the next hour. But look, we got all the hype around Shohei Otani. Gallo's picking up some steam as of late. Mancini has a great story heading into it. So who are the top guys and who am I going to be rolling with? Well, let's dish out some of these odds currently. Otani, plus 250. 33 home runs this season. Then you get Gallo. He was about plus 450. Seems to be getting some late steam now, maybe pushing it down. But he's racked up 24 homers so far this season. Pete Alonzo, the reigning champion, he is at 5-1. to one. Only 17 home runs this season, but still could have some good value. Trevor Story, the home field kid here, does he have the advantage at Coors Field? Well, everyone has the advantage at Coors Field. But then you get Trevor Story at about 8-1. to one. Uh, Like we said, Matt Olson's plus 525. Juan Soto, 8-1. to one. Salvador Perez, 10-1. to one. Trey Mancini at 14-1. to one. Now, you know, right out of the bat, I think there's three important people to talk about, and that's really just the top three guys, in my opinion, being Otani, Gallo, and Pete Alonzo. Now, Otani, what he's done is nothing short of magnificent. It's historic, and he's probably going to win MVP, and he's the next Babe Ruth, right? I mean, he's the only guy we've ever seen do the same thing, and he's the first player selected. It's an all-star as both a position player and a pitcher. Now, something interesting to note out is that a top seed hasn't advanced to the finals since 2015, which is interesting enough. But regardless, this guy is just breaking barriers left and right. 
the value, in my opinion, for Otani isn't there at this point. There's just so much hype around him. Then, yes, everybody's going to be betting him. Everybody's grandma's going to be betting him. But that doesn't mean that he can't win. I get that. It's just, it's not like necessarily a Coors Field. The lefty has more advantage than a righty. There's nothing like that that makes it even more crazier. It, it, I would bet one guy over the other. But most importantly, it's because the lack of value that I just don't think that with all this type that Otani's actually going to be the winner. But more importantly, the guys who still have the capability of winning and still have some decent value, the two who made my list was Joey Gallo at plus 450 and Pete Alonzo at 5-1. to one. Now with Gallo, you know, he wasn't that consistent to start the season, but as of late, he's been doing great. 13 home runs he's had in the last 19 games in this first half of the season. Now 24 overall, like we mentioned, and, you know, he's... Not really had that much hype in terms of going to the Derby. He has a great opportunity here. And again, that's where all the steam's been going is with Gallo. I think Gallo's a great chance. He's on the easier side of the bracket here. So I really like Gallo coming out of that side. He's matched up with Trevor Story to start out. It's not like Trevor Story's necessarily a power hitter. It's just he's had the, you know, unquote home field advantage, which, again, it's Coors. Everybody does. And then he'll play the winner, potentially Matt Olson and Trey Mancini. Again, I think Gallo is the top guy of that list. And that's another reason that I'm not rushing the bet Otani's because he's on the harder side of the bracket. He's up against Juan Soto, then has to go against the winner of Perez and Pete Alonso. But Pete Alonso, what we saw him do last year, 57 home runs, fourth most in Derby history, was incredible. He says he's repeating it. He's hyped to come into it once again. And at 5-1, to one, I think that's some decent value. So I like Alonso. I like Gallo on each of the respective brackets. And those are the two guys I picked to win it outright. So at Gallo at plus 450 and Pete Alonso at 5-1. to one. Those are my two guys that I bet to win the home run derby. Now, instead of winning the thing outright, what are some other angles that you can handicap for the Derby? Well, you can bet the total number of home runs. Currently, it's at 250.5, and, and man, this thing has been moving down, down, and down. Now, briefly for a second, maybe it meant to be there, maybe it didn't. I was at 294.5 early this morning, and then it was taken off, and then it was put back on. And most recently, it was 264.5 about you know an hour and a half ago. Now it's dropped down to 250.5. Now, over-unders minus 113 each way. When you look at 2019, considering there's no derby in 2020, that's when there was 311 home runs was the back and forth with Peterson and Vlad Guerrero Jr. 2018, there was 221 home runs with the new, you know, implementation of the rule where it's just timed instead of, you know, the number of outs. But this number keeps moving down at a hitters-friendly ballpark, and the potential, you know, it's the conspiracy people are considering it, that they may juice the balls because it's a fun event, just more action, more home runs. Over 250.5, now that it's moved down tremendously, would seem to be the move for me. So I would look over 250.5. Haven't officially played it, but I think that could be a good look going over 250.5. Can also bat the who's going to win, whether it's the righty or the lefty. Or the righty is the dog, plus 125. Lefty is the favorite, minus 159. The lefties in this group tonight, Otani, Gallo, Olsen, and Soto. Righties, you got Perez, Alonzo, Story, and Mancini. Now, again, I bet Alonzo to win it, so that would be my only fear of wanting to lay minus 159 with the lefties, but they do have the more stacked group. Would stay away from that one, as would I with the League of the Winning Players. AL, the big favorite, minus 195. National League is plus 150. You got Otani, Gallo, Mancini, Perez, Olsen, all in AL. Then who makes up the NL is Alonzo, Story, and Soto. AL clearly has the advantage, but again, wouldn't want to lay that minus 195 because I'm scared of Alonzo here and think he could have a great night. And then one that, you know, I think I might be opposite of some people here is the length of the longest home run. Now, 519.5 feet is the number set at over under minus 110 each way. 
This season, Otani had the longest bomb among the guys, 470 feet. That was at Kansas City. But during the StatCast era, since 2015, there has been one 500-foot homer launched at Coors Field. That was a Giancarlo Stanton got it, obviously, during a regular season game. But in 2016, it went 504 feet. So, look, McGuire slugged one that was 510 back in 1998. It was the longest home run hit at that event. So you really haven't seen a guy, my point, you know, going o over this amount. And, you know, it's just getting bet up and up, and it's at 520 and a half. And at some point, I think it's getting a little bit too high because 510 and a half seems to be a number that a lot of people got. And at that point, I would either bet the over or stay away, probably. But again, are the balls going to be extra juice for the event? Scores field, is this going to be even more so deep? It doesn't matter how far it goes de depending on the field, but again, 519.5 up to 520.5 seems maybe a little bit too long. In a fun event like this, you probably don't want to root against that, but I'd maybe go a little contrarian here and bet the under. But again, nothing that I'm going to be touching, but I think that could be an interesting angle. And then, of course, you can look at the player to hit the longest home run with those long list of odds. If you're looking for a matchup, do you have those first-round matchups listed out, too? I know it's not ideal to want to lay a price, but the only one I would do is Joey Gallo over Trevor Story at minus 195. But in terms of official bets that I have for the Derby, we're rolling with Gallo at about plus 450. And we want Pete Alonso to repeat, baby, at 5-1. to one. So that's what we got for the Derby tonight. Let's see what Chris Miles has for Game 4 of the NBA Finals next on Rush Hour. Looking for a hot tip to bet on? Bet Rivers Sportsbook has you covered every single day. You can go to the Bet Rivers app or betrivers.com and find the game you want to bet on. You just tap tips, T I P S, and you'll get instant research for the upcoming matchup. You can try it out for baseball, soccer, tennis, and a variety of other sports to make your experience even more rewarding. Remember, Bet Rivers offers the most live streams in major sports, instant payouts, and only one time playthrough. Bet Rivers, your hometown sportsbook. Offer valid in Colorado, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Virginia, Michigan, and Pennsylvania. Available play Sugar House in New Jersey. Must be 21. Gambling problem. Illinois, New Jersey, Pennsylvania. Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Colorado, 1-800-522-4700. Michigan, 1-800-270-7117. One AAA, 532-3500 in Virginia. Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Alrighty, wrapping up a Monday edition of Rush Hour right here on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. I'm Danny Burke, broadcasting live out of the Bet River Sportsbook. Thank you for joining us tonight. Been talking some NBA here and there, a little bit of NFL, and naturally the Home Run Derby. But let's get another preview of tomorrow's Game 4 of the NBA Finals with the Bucks and the Suns. Phoenix with a 2-1 series lead, but Milwaukee getting a much-needed win in the last game and an impressive one at that. Let's go ahead and bring in Chris Miles, NBA TV host, who's done great work with us and at NBA TV throughout this whole season, handicapping the NBA. And Chris, as I mentioned, I mean, the Bucks got a big win, 120 to 100 in the last game. Before we get into game four, I mean, what was the reason for Milwaukee's success? I mean, Devin Booker certainly slacked with just 10 points. Giannis got to the free throw line. Are these things that are going to occur again? And, you know, what really was the difference maker in your eye? 
Well, even though the uh, Suns scored 118 in both games, one in game two, I think the difference between the Bucks in game three was the fact that their defensive intensity increased in each game. So in game one, I just felt like the Suns came out, did whatever they wanted. In game two, it was really weird because the Suns scored the same amount of points that they did in game one, but the Bucks had you know way more blocks, way more deflections, way more steals. They just shot the ball, the ball poorly in the fourth quarter. I think in game three, they shot the ball a lot better, particularly Drew Holiday, who uh, going into that game, what was he, 11 for 35 from the field in the first two games? Well, he finished that one eight for 14. So the biggest difference to me, uh, defensive intensity increasing each game and Drew Holiday finding his shot. Yeah, and Drew Holiday really got out of it. He knocked down five three-pointers in this last game, and he just got a streak where what he had like almost all of them in the second half. So again, you know, he's been an X factor and a guy like Chris Middleton is very volatile, but if he gets going to, it could be tough for Phoenix in game four. And speaking of which, we now see Milwaukee up to a four and a half point favorite. This one open at three and a half. So the steam has been going toward the Bucks. Total we're seeing at about 220 and a half. No, to me, and I know it's kind of a little ridiculous to think it because we only saw one game sample, but in terms of Milwaukee, but does this kind of have the feel that the home team is going to win all these games or that's who you would lean to? Or are we going to see a much better performance from Phoenix and you would almost side with them because, you know, counting on Devin Booker to slack that much again is a tough thing to do. That and Chris Paul with the turnovers. Uh, let's not overlook that in the sense that Chris Paul, you know, he's remarkable in taking care of the basketball in his last two games. He's had 10 turnovers. So the key to that is, can Drew Holiday continue to make Chris Paul a turnover machine? I mean, if that's the case, I absolutely believe uh, that the Bucks can continue to play this kind of defense. But like you said, 10 points for Devin Booker. I don't know what the over is on him, but if it, I think it's going to be over 10 points in the next game. So I'm waiting for one of these games in the series to be within 10 points as a final result. I mean, every game has been... Uh, decided by 10 points or more. So I think game four is when we finally see that uh, we'll have a closer game. Yeah, and Booker's prop naturally 27 and a half. So they're expecting a big bounce back game. We'll see if he could do it on the road here. But you're right. That's also interesting that these games have been such a wide margin. So we'll see if this one's played a little bit closer. Milwaukee's certainly having the love in terms of the spread right now up to four and a half. It's tough to bet against them in my mind for this game. Momentum going their way, and especially with how Giannis played in the last game and the game prior. And, you know, Chris, just even looking further down, if we're thinking the Bucks can win the next game, we do have the availability to bet the correct score of the series, which is always fun because you get some better plus money. And, you know, if you think the Suns win in five, it's plus 260. Same if they win in seven. Suns to win in six is plus 340. If you think the Bucks win in seven, it's plus 450. Milwaukee to win in six is plus 475. So basically, what do you think is going to be the end result to this series? Can the Bucks overcome this 2-0 deficit and get the job done? Or do you think Phoenix can close it out relatively soon, maybe? Well, what's interesting is I have no idea who's going to win it, right? But looking at the, the odds that are put in front of me, I would certainly go uh, Bucks in seven. I would feel strong about that as one of the safest bets, and you're getting the longest odds. I think Giannis, uh, during a regular season, he averaged 40 against the Suns. Since he's come back from that hyperextended knee outside of game one, he's averaging 40 against them again. Uh, who's going to stop him? How is he going to slow down? I, I just think that he's a guy that's going to be a factor night in and night out in this series. 
And when I look at the odds, I would go Bucks in seven just because they, I, you get the longest. But also, if you wanted to hedge uh, your bets, I would say go Suns in six, right? Because you're also getting uh, longer odds on that, and they have a 2-1 series lead. I mean, most teams with a 2-1 series lead in the only game coming in a loss on the road, you would think that they would be favored to win in six games. Yeah, absolutely. I'm with you there. I mean, again, if you want to bet the Bucks, I think it does go to seven, and it's some decent value, plus 450. But the most important thing you said is who's going to stop Giannis? And really, again, you know, you see him hit, what, 13 out of 17 free throws where he's going to shoot a lot better at home than he is on the road. Considering this next game is a home game, you talk about that, his prop is 34-and-a-half. Now, what was interesting to me is, first of all, tough to bet the under because of his dominance, but I feel like there's the correlation there where if you think Giannis can go over or just be the star in the game, look at Middleton to maybe go under because he's at 24-and-a-half. And aside from game one where he had a really good performance, he was the leading scorer, you know, he's been inconsistent with 11 and, what, 18 points while Giannis has been the opposite. Do you think that correlation is going to keep going throughout the series and then if you're looking over Giannis 34 and a half then maybe you would do Middleton under 24 and a half well what's really interesting about that is Chris Middleton took 14 shots in game three and I thought he played much better because in game one yeah he scored over 20 but he took 29 shots and what's happening if Middleton's taking 29 shots that mean Giannis is only taking 11 shots it also means that the Bucks are not getting to the free throw line I mean if you pay close attention to that Giannis controls the game in a different way. Like you said, 17 free throws in game three. I believe it was 18 free throws in game two. So whether or not he makes or misses those free throws, he's still slowing down the pace. He's still giving his team an opportunity to set up their defense. So I look at those as being huge factors that Mike Boonholzer has to be telling his guys, hey, Chris, if you take 29 shots, that means Giannis is not going to the free throw line. That means the Suns are in transition, and they'll have an opportunity to have eight threes in a quarter like they did in game one. Yeah, no, great point. So, yeah, Middleton maybe not putting up his shots as much. You saw exactly what happened in game one. Look, he can't really be – I mean, he can, but against the Suns team, he can't have him being the number one guy. Obviously, Phoenix is having issues with Giannis, and if he keeps getting fouls drawn, then they're going to have a successful game, you would think. So we'll see if that's a good play under 24-and-a-half, and if Giannis can keep up his dominance – going to be a fun one for game four, Chris. And before we let you go here, I do want to talk a little bit about the NBA draft. We're getting closer here, which means we get more props available. Now, the one that has been posted for a while, odds to be the number one pick in the draft. Cunningham is a minus 10,000 favorite. Jalen Green is 10 to 1. Mobley 15 to 1. Suggs 21. list goes on and on and on. I mean, those odds are in, in, insane, right? I, do you think he's warranted as being that big of a favorite? Is he, without a doubt, the number one pick in your opinion? It's one of those things that when the Pistons uh, won the draft lottery, the immediate reaction was the Pistons are going to get Cade Cunningham. So I think <laughs> I hadn't seen these odds. This is hilarious. I mean, it's almost like something from a comedy, whereas I, I don't know, something controversial would have to happen for Jalen Green to go first, right? But I think if anything did happen, the only person I would put money on would be Jalen Green. And that's uh, if something unfortunate happened with Cade Cunningham, which I hope nothing happens. I hope they're all drafted and healthy and everything is okay. But that's the only way uh, to not uh, bet Cade Cunningham here with those odds. Why waste your money? 
Yeah, and then what could be a little bit more intriguing is odds to be the number two overall pick where Jalen Green is the favorite, minus 152. Mobley plus 120 sucks at 5-1. to one. we got about 90 seconds left here, Chris, but uh, is it worth laying the minus 152 with Green? How do you think we see this number two pick go down? I think anything could happen in the, in the next week or so because I think Jalen Green is understood as, okay, when you watch what's happening in the NBA and you watch the finals right now and you see Devin Booker, and if you get that wing that can give you 25 to 30 a game at some point in your career, you think you have a chance to win a championship. Where Evan Mobley feels like a guy to be the other piece, right? I think that teams are looking at Jalen Green as an absolute franchise guy. So I think the, the Rockets are going to go in that direction. I know a few months ago it was Evan Mobley. Also, with the success of LaMelo Ball, guys not going to college and taking other routes, I think that makes Jalen Green an interesting pick. Also, a few years ago, a GM gave me a list of prospects that were like in the 10th grade, and Jalen Green was on that list. It was like Anthony Edwards, uh, Jalen Green, and some other guys. But I remember seeing him then, and to see him here now, I think he's a guy you got to take number two. Oh, okay. Very interesting. Yeah. And you mentioned LaMelo. I mean, you could see the success that happened with him. You're playing against grown men and you know, maybe not more competitive, but it's just a different kind of environment, more ready for the NBA. So green minus 152, number two overall pick could make a lot of sense. But Chris and my man, we appreciate you taking some time as always. So enjoy that game tomorrow night. We'll look forward to catching up again soon. All right. Have a good uh, show the rest of the way. Absolutely appreciate that, Chris. And you can follow him on Twitter at Chris Miles TV and catch him hosting NBA TV. Love his NBA analysis. Looking forward to game four tomorrow. But as for tonight, if you missed it, the only bets we're riding with consists of the home run derby. We're going with Joey Gallo at plus 450 to win it outright and Pete Alonzo to repeat at 5-1. to one. As always, best of luck if you tail. Thank you for tuning in. We'll catch up again tomorrow for another edition of Rush Hour. Take care.